What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to Epinode. So, Epinode. Episode. Episode. Episode number 172 of the VK Bros with Jason and Alex Von Cannell. Uh, coming at you on a, again, Friday afternoon. Friday afternoon at 1pm seems to be very consistent at the moment, which is very, very nice. I think we're about to get hit by a giant thunderstorm. Is it, is it, um, can you hear the like thunder and stuff up at your end? No, no. And I know that we had a plan of how we're going to start this, but we're not going to start it that way. We're going to start it on that. Cool. This storm thing is pissing me off. Storm or weather or climate? All of it. All of it, yeah. Mostly the climate warnings that have been all over social media, all over the news every day, severe weather warning happened on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Literally nothing happened. Yeah. There, there was a, a bolt of lightning out in the ocean mm-hmm. that I saw at one, one period. Not a drop of rain, not any wind, nothing. Yeah. Last night, same that they were reported in the morning, going to be um, um, dangerous thunderstorms, dangerous winds, extreme heat. We got the extreme heat. We had eight minutes worth of light rain. Yeah. And they are catastrophizing it. This morning, they crossed over to the Bureau of Meteorology and they're like, oh, are, are there any weather warnings? And the lady's like, no, there's no weather warnings. And, you know, there's the weather and it's climate. There's two different things. And, mm. you know, we're at the moment, like they tried to hype it up. They, and we're getting none of it. And, and, and yeah. it's, oh. I've said that here before and they're still doing it. They're throwing the words out there on a daily basis. Yep. Severe, severe, severe. Yep. Warning, alarm, alert. Mm-hmm. And yet when you look outside, there's nothing. Yeah, I feel like... Because I've been keeping a really keen eye on this stuff too since we last spoke about it. Because I'm with you. I, I think that it's a complete psyop. I think that mainstream media is in on it. I think big tech is in on it. So, like, if you go to... Um, Apple Weather, like the weather app. So I uh, think it was last night. And it might have been the night before. Uh, at 7 o'clock at night, I went on, there was a warning and it said extreme heat until 8 p.m. And it was 24 degrees. Like it's called summer in Australia, guys. <laughs> like yeah. It's not extreme heat. 24 degrees is not extreme at all. Um, but the interesting one that I've noticed recently too. Now, being a gardener, I work outside, so I am more in tune with the weather than the average punter because I'm sure. always looking at it. And I saw a news story the other day where they were talking about how the Bureau of Meteorology has just confirmed that we are currently in an El Nino cycle, which means drought conditions, uh, scorching temperatures, and no rain, and will be in the cycle until April next year. Last time we were in El Nino, was for years. It was like back in the early 2010s. Like you'd remember when we mm. had like water restrictions and all that sort of mm. stuff. Like we literally had an El Nino for, I think it was like three or four years. The joke that I used to tell everybody was uh, uh, after that moment is when they brought in the water saving shower heads. Yeah. And which is what I said caused all the floods that happened after because there wasn't enough water being circulated through <laughs> the shower heads through and out to the, uh, the sea. Yeah. So we had floods. Yeah. Well, funny that you mentioned that too because... Uh, one of the the last times we had the major flooding in Brisbane, uh, one of the things that came out of the inquiry from that was that they should have released some of the water out of the dam earlier on because they knew all the rain was coming. They didn't relieve the pressure early enough and that's what actually caused all of the damage. Mm-hmm. Um, There's so, another side that's so happening. Hold on, hold on, hold on. With the, with the whole El Nino thing, um, like what you're saying about the climate change stuff and the narrative, it's not... It's not the same narrative anymore because obviously we we grew up in a time where we were talking... Well, I mean, pr- just prior to where we grew up in the 90s, it was all about global cooling. The biggest thing they were worried about was like mass ice ages, mass extinction events, etc. Then in the 90s, global warming started. And we were being told the, um, you know, the, the ice in the Arctic was going to disappear by the year 2000 and Al Gore famously got out there and, you know, threw all this data out into the ether and none of these predictions have come true. The problem is these days, because of the internet, people actually go back and check things like records, data, etc. Yeah. And because the narrative doesn't line up anymore, they just keep throwing out as many... It's just all hysteria all the time, no rhyme or reason. So with the El Nino thing, 
The way they reported El Nino was that it was one of the worst possible things because it was going to lead to droughts and uh, extreme heat and blah, blah, blah. But in the same news item, they also mentioned how we just came out of a La Nina cycle, which means colder than normal temperatures and far more rain, which lasted three years. So no one reported that La Nina was a good thing when it happened, mm. but La Nina is the opposite of El Nino, which they're saying is the bad thing. Like, there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just all hysteria, all danger, all stress, all the but, time. Well, because we know that the op is the climate is bad. So make climate bad. Mm. How do you make climate bad? Well, every day say that it's severe. Use words yep. like severe. Use words like warning. You Use words like alert. Mm -hmm. The other thing they're doing, I can't remember if I said this last week, but I'm noticing on the news every day, house fires. Every day, house fire. House fire, right. house fire, house fire, house yeah. fire. And I think this is the same thing. Yeah, no one's dying in these house fires, right? They're just house fires. Yeah. But I think it's a thing where, like, this is what we need to keep an eye out for. I think it'll be one of the things that they'll be able to tie to climate change by saying fires have been, like, we all know that fires have increased. Yeah, yeah. You know, tenfold. Yep. And everyone who hears that will go, yeah. Yeah, I hear about fires all the time. I hear, hear about fires every day. Yeah. Well, when you're searching for some for a fire every day, you're going to have fires. That's right. Every day. So just I, I just want us to be aware of that clear psyop. Yeah, and the other thing that you need to be mindful of as well is we're like I I don't know I don't really remember how long this has been the case for, but we are literally in a twenty four seven global news cycle now. So it is going to seem like natural disasters are increasing because you're hearing about them in Australia, in America, in Morocco, yeah. in Tunisia. You're hearing about every single thing that might happen all over the world, which, you know, pre-internet, 20 years ago, or at least before the internet was fully mainstream, you never heard about those things. So it's a natural feeling to think, yeah, I hear about this thing all the time. So, you know, maybe the narrative must be true. But just look outside. Exactly. It's fine. So exactly. we yesterday afternoon I was joking to Tasha because we were in the the the, the news said severe storms. Yeah. And my deck overlooks Brisbane. Yep. Nothing. Mm. Like just clap like not even thick clouds. Just clouds. Yep. Nothing. Yeah. Not a drop of rain, you know. But it's interesting what you said about the Apple thing. Because remember on the show, I'd said that I received a warn, like a weather warning alert when I used Maps. That was on an iPhone. Mm. I just checked my Android weather app, the one that's embedded. It's a Google one embedded into Pixel phones. Yep. No catastrophization there. I've had no weather warnings through that app. Interesting. So I wonder if it's an exclusive Apple thing. Yeah, which is interesting when you think about that, because when you think of the two companies, i.e. Apple versus Google, Google has been far more censorship heavy. Now, Apple has been censoring as well. Don't get me mm. wrong. They've been doing plenty themselves. But I would say that Google through you know, Google search and YouTube, it has been far more aggressive with censoring. So, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. It's something like if we can get a bit of feedback on it, if you guys have Apple mm. phones, Android phones, what are you seeing? Um is the is the weather that's being reported in your area what your actually your your anecdotal experience is? And look, we know that anecdotal experience is not everything, but we also know that the media's reporting ain't everything either. So I just think, much like the wars, much like the vaccines, what the media is really trying to do is remove your belief in reality. Yeah. So they, 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 and I think it's working, you know, for the most part, I think it's working. They are now convincing people that what they see in real life is not real. It's literally straight out of 1984, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Big, so big problem what, What's the quote? Like the final act is they require you to not like believe your eyes and your ears. Yeah. 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 It's totally that. And, um, the thing that I want to keep reminding people too is like your anecdotal experience does matter because that is a data point. Mm. And if we put enough anecdotal experiences together, then we can create a proper data set and don't 
like I feel like this hysteria has been thrown out so aggressively because enough there's enough real data breaking through the charade now. It's one of the reasons why I did the thumbnail that I did last week about you know the damn wall being the media starting to burst and the truth starting to shine through. So I do feel like you're you're seeing another ramp up of that uh, double speak designed to deliberately confuse people. But I want people to remember, like again, remember the referendum that what the media was telling you was a story of the country was the polar opposite of what the polls actually showed at the end of it. And that's the first real bit of data we've had in a long time. So funny, you... funny talk about data. Yeah. Uh, I noticed a, a uh, I got pushed a notification through Google about air purity. Right. And there are three air purity uh, devices or, or, or measurement places in Brisbane. And you can have access to them. You can click on them. Yep. Guess what they said? Uh, that the air was impure? No, so it was amazing. Oh, right. But if you ask someone on the street and said, what do you think Brisbane's air purity is like? Mm. What do you think they'd say? Yeah, well, they, they complain about it because they've been conditioned to complain about these things. That's, yeah, so that's the, that's the point. So mm. anecdote, I agree with what you said. Anecdotal evidence is a data point. Yep you should try and back it up with something external. Like, hear something from mainstream. Yep. Like, we consume mainstream so that you don't have to. Yeah, right? exactly. We take the bullet um, for you. Yeah. So we, we, we're we hearing what the masses hear, while the diminishing masses hears. We put it through a lens and go, okay, we'll peel a couple layers back. We'll do some of our own research on that thing. Mm-hmm. And then we'll also have a look and see what we actually see in our own world with yep. our own eyes. Yep. And you put that together and then you come up with, your well, with our take on on, a, on things, yep. and we are being taken for a ride. We're being coaxed into thinking things that are like categorically totally wrong. Totally, one hundred percent. I mean, if, even just with the prevalence of things like pronouns and the trans debate and all that sort of stuff, the amount of bullshit that we are fed on a daily basis, which literally happened overnight. And like the crazy thing that I find about, let's say the trans thing, for example, is the vast majority of doctors who are now advocating for, uh, you know, whether it's trans operations or puberty blocking drugs or whatever, the vast majority of those doctors, when they went through their entire medical school experience, never once learned anything about trans, like being a real medical condition issue. Or if they did, it was like, hey, there's an extremely minute percentage of people that are born with this ailment. Because I don't, I don't believe that there are none. I believe there are some. I believe there are, it is far more of a social contagion these days than a real medical issue. And yeah, it, it's just we're being sold a bill of goods. And the, the key, the thing that we really want to reiterate over and over and over again is do not allow them to take away your sanity and your rational yes. thought. Yes, absolutely. Stay yeah, that's tethered to reality. Yeah. Like, it. I mean, look, you know, any hot-button issue, like, look at Israel and Palestine. Yes, like, everyone in the media is picking sides and trying to tell you which side to be on and all the bad things that the other side did. Yes, the attack from Hamas was a terrorist attack and that was absolutely horrible and terrible and never should have happened. But the, Israel's, uh, the Israelis going in and murdering Palestinian civilians is also terrible. Both sides of war are shit. Don't pick a side. Let's pick the side of no war. Interesting that you said that because th- th- that was something I put in the notes. We, I think the media, you know, I said before that the media looks like they haven't taken a side and they're kind of showing. Yeah, like, they're they hedging their bets a bit. Yeah, mm. but now you can start to see them narrowing in. I think they're picking up the sentiment Yeah, and I think they're figuring out how to get us um, because it's definitely more like the stories aren't even about the stories aren't about the things that are happening over there. The stories are things about individuals or individual moments or people associated, loosely associated with yeah, them. Yeah, I get you. It, Does that make, make sense? So yeah, yeah. Like yeah. It might be like someone did this in response to the war yeah. here, which upset this person. Yeah, that's right. And And we need to stay staunch on the fact that like, let's not be their little puppets. Let's not, let's not them. Let's not let them turn us against each other. Yep. It's this is not a Jewish 
the uh, uh, Hamas thing. This well, is... they want this to be a Jewish v Muslim thing. Yeah, that's what I can see. That's the, di- yeah. the dividing line, and where it's interesting, in my opinion, like you're saying about the hedging of the bets. Uh, the very same media that Kanye said is controlled by the Jews, he may or may not be right. I don't know. Uh, are trying like they. It makes perfect sense that you'd hedge your bets because there is a far higher Muslim population than there is Jewish population in the globe. Mm. Like, we're just down to sheer numbers, like, if you want to appeal to a market as a as a corporation, the Muslim market's much bigger. Mm. So it, it, is, it is a tricky... It, like, every other thing, like Russia, Ukraine, vaccine, no vaccine, all those things have been really easy for the media to pick aside. This one's interesting because yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, yeah. it's not as clear cut as all of those yeah. other issues, but but even for us, like like we we continually reiterate, we are pro everyone, pro human. Yeah. You know, whether you're Muslim, whether you're Jewish, I don't give a shit. If you're a good person and nice to me, yeah. I'll be nice to you too. Like it. Yeah. That's that's what human beings are supposed to be about. Yeah. So don't let the media switch that up on you. Yeah. Um. All right, let's get into the show because there's plenty to talk about today. I want to do a very brief thing this morning because the Swiss government did something which I found very interesting and I'm presenting this without notice to Alex as well. If you can zoom in slightly. So this is actually back from um, October 16, 2016 but has just recently passed in Switzerland. So Switzerland has actually just abolished mandatory yearly um, mammograms, breast screening. And I want to read a little bit here. So it says, The Swiss Medical Board reviewed all of the available evidence and released a report in February 2014 stating the evidence does not support a common medical mantra that mammograms are safe and capable of saving lives. It appears that mammography may prevent only one death for every 1,000 women screened while causing harm to many more. In their review, the board advised the quality of mammography screening should be evaluated and women should be informed in a balanced way about the benefits and harms of screening. Can I just comment? Yes. And I know this is a very childish comment, but whenever I had seen a mammogram, I never thought sandwiching a titty across, like into a sandwich press, yeah, could be good. Well, that's probably a reason why you would never have seen anyone attempt to do a testicogram because there's no way that you're going to convince oh, a bloke to sandwich his nuts. Can like, you imagine you putting in your nuts in a breville? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to read anymore, but what I want to say, because I, I did some research on this and I'm not going to go too far into it, but the main reason why I brought this up is because, number one, Alex and I are both part Swiss. So da- our dad is Swiss. And the Swiss have done here something that no one else has done, which is they've gone back and actually reviewed the data on something that was an established Mm. medical practice. And when they analysed the data, they realised that the perceived benefit of these mammograms is not actually uh, equivalent to the real benefit in the real world. And the key downsides of these mammograms, what they were saying is, number one, they're nowhere near as accurate as people think or as we are led to believe. So you've got both dual problems of underdiagnosis. So quite often people get screened, think they don't have breast cancer when they do and end up not getting to treatment early enough and therefore pass away. Mm -hmm. But a big problem is overdiagnosis. And And therefore medical intervention, which is unnecessary, which can be things as extreme as mastectomies so the removal of the breasts and chemo so unnecessary mastectomies and chemo right and the last one obviously is the way that a mammogram works is it it shoots radiation through the breast tissue Mm -hmm. now i think one of the issues that they had out of this is a lot of the original studies on mammograms came from the United States and in the United States they use a thing called single dose toxicity studies and that's a real big problem because with single dose toxicity what they're essentially saying is that the level of radiation that's put through the breast on that single time is is so low that it's it's safe to use and it, it's very unlikely to cause any form of damage but if you're doing this every single year 
that's not single dose anymore. That might be 30, 40, 50 doses. Wow. Right? And it's a cumulative effect. It's the same way as they say to, you know, that there can be some like microwave radiation coming out of your phone and you shouldn't mm. sleep with your phone next to your head. Or if you're trying to uh, get pregnant, don't have your phone in your pocket because they're concerned about um, uh, malmotility. So I just thought this was really interesting because, mm. again, all. All this is, is an established medical practice, which I think for all of our ladies listening, I think the majority of you would be thinking, no, like mammograms are one of these things that we have to do in Australia because we have very high cancer rates and they're very important, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it actually hit me pretty, not hard, but it just made me go, how many more things in our lives that we accept as truth are not the truth? Because they were, there was a study done 40 years ago that's, yeah. that has built become the basis of every building block, builds off that original study, which no one ever went back and re-looked at, like the well, SSRIs give, that we've spoken about. I can give you the, an example that first came to mind is childhood vaccination. Yeah. You know, where, where once we've gone through this COVID thing and, and a large portion of us went and peeled some of the layers back and realized, oh, like this is actually all bullshit yeah and where like i i wonder what the other vaccines are like yeah but what's interesting is when you have that conversation with someone they're, they're like oh no they're all right that's right well hold on you've done nothing like you did nothing to search for the like the, the covid one or even if you did and now you are like okay the covid one's bullshit your instant response is to defend that instilled idea that you had yeah. without looking at it at all that's right so now I'm, and by the way i'm not saying that they are or are not i'm not saying no that and, what and i'm saying is the thought process is to instantly defend it but in, i i would dare say that just like this we probably haven't looked exactly and, and yeah i think that's the point that i'm trying to say as well is established facts that you build your worldview around mm. may not be as established as you think and, and like the, the childhood vaccine one is, is tricky too. Like full disclosure, my kids have had their routine vaccinations. I did look into, into it, especially around COVID. Because um, obviously Nate was born when COVID first kicked off. And one of the things that made me feel at least semi-comfortable with getting my kids vaccinated is that the, the vaccine conversation in Australia is completely different to the vaccine yeah. conversation in America. I think I may have said this on the show before, but just to throw it out there, in Australia, the mandatory vaccines in total, I believe, on the childhood vaccination schedule is about 14. Mm. In America, it's 72. Yeah. So it's a completely different conversation. So um, like my kids are vaccinated, but one of the things as a parent where like I do, what I do wonder is that obviously kids grow and change and develop so much. It's really hard to assess if there's a difference after a vaccine or any sort of intervention as opposed to a fully formed fully established adult who then goes and gets an intervention and then you can notice a change straight away because they're basically you know if you're 25 years old you're a fully grown fully developed person it might be far easier to spot a big difference in mm. after some form of medical intervention than it is for a child who's going to grow and change so much in the next two three four years anyway you know like that does is something that plays in my mind a bit i can give you another example it's not medical but going through my tech startup and learning really having a deep look at especially like legal ramifications of what we're doing and then realizing that there is this really heavy public sentiment that the rules are in place to protect people yeah, yeah. and then when you look at the details that you're like oh the rules are actually designed to protect companies yep. that do that thing that's right and it has nothing to do with what like they, they actually don't even purport that that's what it's for but they say it in a way that makes us think oh no no it, those rules are there for a reason totally totally like it's the same thing again bring up vaccinations again like the companies originally got indemnity because uh what they were saying was that we don't if we are going to be liable for the damage that vaccines cause, because vaccines are uh, inherently have danger, because not everyone's chemical makeup is the same, 
So the vaccine companies said, we're not going to make vaccines anymore. So that was the original reason why the government, like this yeah. is well, this is childhood vaccines. I think we're talking the 70s or 80s when this happened. But that was the whole re- reason why they were given indemnity in the first place. But obviously that was say 30 years ago. They've still got that indemnity now and the game has changed for them, but we still give them the same benefit of the doubt be, uh, as what the original intention was. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but you're right. Like I was having a conversation with someone about, I said, we were talking about, you know, corruption and governments and all that sort of stuff. And I said, the thing that frustrates me the most as a, a very a pretty typical, like I, I think of myself as a pretty masculine guy. Like I'm not a, you know, alpha dog gorilla man, but I'm a pretty masculine guy. And one of the things that I'm inherently aware of is like the there's two different worlds we live in. There's society like the matrix and then there's the natural order of things too. And when I was younger, before we had, you know, so much emphasis on anti-bullying and all those sorts of things. There's a certain natural order that used to really mm. take care of society to a degree. If you stepped out of line in the wrong times, you'd get your head smashed in. And then you would know not to do it again. Yeah, uh, we we've sort of removed that from society. And one of the things that I that I really don't like that has happened since we have removed that natural selection from society is you've essentially had the people who don't have any form of natural power in the world, i.e., small runty men, typically, like your Anthony Fauci's of the world, for example. They seek power because they don't have it. So they end up making their way into institutions, politics, etc., and rising to to that sort of top level. And then what concerns me the most is that you're then allowing these people whose only power is how they impose it over others, every time you let them write a new law, that's not to, for you. That's to protect them yeah. while they continue to break the rules that they impose on you. Yeah. And we see it time and time again. If there's the, uh, I told, I told you, I'll keep saying it. If there is the ability to be corrupt, they'll be corrupt. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And right, so all, the next thing. all we ask for is a bit of transparency. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on. So what, what have you got next? Uh, the America's frightening bat lab. Yeah. Bat lab. Yeah. So, do you guys remember? Let me let me just briefly take you back to um, mid to late 2020, when the origins of COVID talk first started, and a few people first started mentioning that there's this thing called the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which is remarkably close to the uh, wet market where COVID apparently came from. And one of the most crazy conspiracy theories ever was that the American government was participating in gain of function research. Can I just pause just for real quick? Sure. For people that are listening, so I've pulled up a Daily Mail Australia article, and what's with this right-hand panel? It's I know why you're addressing it, and it's because it makes you look really bad. <laughs> it looks it makes me look really bad. It's just panels of hot chicks, yeah. hot chick wearing a mask, hot blonde chick, hot. Oh, it's Carrie Bigmore. Some other hot chick, two <laughs> hot Hold chicks. On. Hold on. It's Carrie Bigmore. Is she not a hot chick? No, she's a hot chick. But <laughs> she's on the project. So and and at the bottom there, the person who's taken the most D out of all of them, Will Smith. Will Smith. <laughs> he's but been no, see, see, the too. normal humans, the normal humans are down the page. Yeah, yeah. See, like, they, so things up. Okay, the ugly ladies, the Optus CEO. <coughs> and um, what's her name? The Greens Minister? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, so the pigs are at the bottom. And the good stuff's at the top. But it's, sorry, just a... Well, one of I, the, that's not my algo, that's Daily Mail. One of the unfortunate facts of life it. is that sex sells. It is yeah. what it is. All right, so back to this. So this is a story from the Daily Mail UK uh, from the 11th of November, so a few days ago. Exclusive, America's frightening new bat lab. $12 million taxpayer-funded National Institutes of Health research facility in Colorado, so it'll be in America this time, um, will import bats from Asia and infect them with deadly diseases. Hell yeah, they will. With China-linked scientists. So yeah, just... but, it's, but it's not gain of function. It's main of function. Yeah. <laughs> it's not... It's clearly... It's not... We're not trying to make diseases worse. We're trying to make diseases 
like more less no less better is what that's what we want to do. <laughs> well, yeah, we just we just want to have vaccines available for if these things spill over from our labs. <laughs> So just scroll yeah. down a little bit because, I, again, I'm not going to read through this whole story, but there are some very interesting things in this because it's the same old characters. So here you go. The multi-million dollar project is a collaboration between Dr. Anthony Fauci's old department at the National Institutes of Health, Colorado State University, and EcoHealth Alliance, a controversial research group at the center of the COVID lab leak theory. So any of you long-term listeners, if you would remember, you would remember the fact that the way the flow chart went was the National Institutes of Health, which underneath it has a department called the National Institutes of Allergies and Infectious Diseases, the NIAID, which is what Anthony Fauci used to be the head of. He controlled the research grants of every single bit of medical research done in America. And they were the ones who funded to EcoHealth Alliance a grant which then EcoHealth Alliance transferred to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And the whole reason why they had to do it that way is because at the time this happened, uh, there was an embargo on gain-of-function research. Uh, Barack is that Obama, because it's really dangerous? Uh, yeah, it's because it's a really fucking bad idea to Because get... it could create a global pandemic? Yeah, exactly. It could cl- create a global pandemic. And, it, you know, maybe your vaccine that you create afterwards is not going to work, which we've also noticed. But it does make you $100 billion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's the same old shit, same old play. And the only thing about... Well, sorry, not the only thing. The thing that concerns me about this the most is what? What do you think it is, Alex? Uh, I mean, there's so many things. There's so many things. Uh, I reckon it's something you're not thinking of. Okay, go. This, to me, uh, uh, foretells of war with china how so because you're no longer using chinese labs to do this shit you're bringing it back in-house but they are using chinese they're using chinese researchers well they're getting bats sent over to them i think it's the other way around i think i think they're in absolute cahoots and they're like hey man we got heat for that last one you do it this time. Yeah, can we do the next one at your China. place? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You might, yeah, you might be right. Maybe you are right. Yeah, who knows? I'm not but... cleaning up after the last one, man. That was yeah. too much. But, but okay, so all I want to say on this, I don't want to read the whole thing because we've got plenty to get through. You, you know the gist of it. But what I want to say is this: the next time something comes out in the media and someone questions it, and the media says that's a crazy conspiracy theory. Well, they might build a fucking bat lab in your suburb next week. <laughs> like, it ain't that fucking crazy. No, Open what I'd be... mind to it. Do you know what I'd be more nervous about? What? Is if they opened a wet market nearby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when you know it's about to drop. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like, we're, we're building fucking bat labs now. And and importing the bats too. So the bats might and drop I just, a bit of virus on the way over. I just want to... I really want to illustrate to the new listeners... Uh, we have had a big uptick. Thank you. Welcome. Uh, uh, we we love having you around. For subscribe. Those that don't... A lot of you don't have Rumble accounts. That's the feedback I've received. We don't have as many subscribers on Rumble as viewers because a lot of people just click the links and go through and they do, right. like we're the only thing they watch on Rumble. So create a Rumble account, subscribe, help the channel out. What the problem with gain-of-function research is, forget the danger for a moment. The problem is that you are using taxpayer money to fund research to make essentially weapons that affect their, our like the our own people, the mm-hmm. government's own people, and then the remedy is provided by a pharmaceutical company who has some attachment to that thing so there's a circular yeah, it's socializing a, a, a the cost and privatizing mm. the profits so they're creating bioweapons to use on us yeah but that's it's it's everything that's happening through governments at the moment like i um put a comment on like abc media watch put a post up on twitter the other day they just need to get off twitter because it's not going well for them 
but I can't even remember what it, was, what it was about. But it was just blatant fabrication, blatant fabrication. And I put a comment on it saying, "I am so happy that my taxpayer dollars pay for you to lie directly back to me. Like that's what we're paying for. That should mm. be completely unacceptable." Mm. And you're right. Like we are, taxpayer is funding the media to lie to you. It's funding bat labs to create diseases to make you sick. Like it's yeah, it's wild. It's absolutely wild. Do you want to does does do you want to put that into the misinformation thing? Does this lead us into the misinformation? Yeah, why not? I think that's probably a good little segue. So we've had a we've had a minor victory, guys, but it is only minor, and that means that we have to keep going now you will recall so we are are obviously speaking about the misinformation bill and just the title of this uh article is labor to overhaul misinformation bill after objections over freedom of speech uh clarifications on religious freedom to be reconsidered says communications minister michelle Rowland after strong pushback from coalition now all this means is that they have they've put the bill off until at least next year but it says here, um, the draft legislation released for consultation early this year would have allowed the Australian Communications and Media Authority to require social media companies to toughen their policies on, in quotes, content that is false, misleading or deceptive, or where the provision of that content on the service is reasonably likely to cause or contribute to serious harm, end quote. The consultation drew 23,000 responses. So that's 23,000 that Australians... One each from us. Yep, who who stood up and did something in democracy. Including 3,000 submissions, many of which were critical of the bill. The large response also came after campaigns against the bill from the Coalition, One Nation and former LNP MP George Christensen. Uh, the aim was to give ACMA pow- uh, more powers to enforce an already in-place voluntary industry code that includes companies such as Meta, X, formerly known as Twitter, Microsoft and Google. Now, this is where this gets a little bit dodgy for me. So it says, reaction to the bill claimed that it would stifle speech online and would not protect religious speech in particular. That is not the number one concern of the people who are pushing back against this. That is the the excuse, that's the off-ramp that the government is using to justify... Again, they're not even... It gets us off the scent. It gets us off the scent of the real thing. But what I would say is, I reckon a big lobby group has put something in there, a big church lobby group. Maybe. And maybe their voice was the only one that they really listened to. But I agree with you. It's it's like, hey, we're gonna fix we're gonna fix this hole in the ship and then forget the gaping wound on the other side. I don't necess- focus on that. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think what this delay does is it allows them to not publish the submissions. So remember how I said Ooh. that, right? Well, they already told us they weren't going to do it anyway. Yeah, and they got heat for that too. So because we are, so, like you said, this gets us off the scent because we are so on the scent at the moment. Everyone who, who's been paying attention has been not only not only paying attention to it and reporting it to their audiences, but actively speaking directly to, like there's been posts put up by like Albanese on, on Twitter and Penny Wong and people are in the comments going, hey, this is Orwellian, fuck it off. Like, Mm. this is not what we want. Now, they don't want to get rid of it. They want to ram this thing through because they want the censorship, because they want the control. And one of the posts that I made uh, on Albanese's Twitter the other day, uh, because he made a a post about this a couple of weeks ago, is I said the sheer fact that the way that this is drafted exempts the government of the day and the media, but not that government's political opponents shows that it's not put up in good faith and the whole point is to have the government be the only one who can say whatever they want and using the media as their mouthpieces and everyone else gets censored Mm. like that is the most anti-democratic thing in the world so i do believe that the whole reason why they are putting this off is because they've got too much heat at the moment they know that there's enough people paying attention to it they can't just slide it through but I really think a lot of it is because they don't want to post up all of those submissions. Because I would say out of the 23,000 of them, would it be fair to say that 20,000 of them were negative? Maybe more? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's another one that I actually have to... I think it's in December. There is another bill going... Uh, they wanted submissions about cryptocurrencies. Okay. 
and the th- oh, I should have pulled it up. It says a lot about like they have a draft proposal. Is this about like central bank digital currency or regulating <sighs> cryptocurrencies more? No, it's about regulating cryptocurrencies. And basically, they wanted it to fall a hundred percent in with what the current financial system is. Yep. Which look, I, I can argue and say, okay, if you don't know anything about anything, it makes sense that you could just make those rules apply to that, yep. and that's fine. But the reason why they use it, oh, it's fraud. Oh, it's money laundering. Oh, it's all the same cliche stuff. Yeah, yeah. They've actually got no idea. Mm. And and it was really... Um, I need to actually act on that. I, I said I wanted to put a lot of thought into... <coughs> sorry, into my um, submission to that because it would ruin uh, all the benefits of yeah. crypto. Well, bring... Bring that up on next week's show. Yeah, yeah. Bring yeah. bring the um, bring the link, and we'll yeah we'll be able to put it in the show notes so people can put in their own submissions as well. Be- because you are right. Like at the end of the day, it's a decentralized system. That's the whole benefit of it. And anytime government seeks to regulate decentralized systems, it's because they want to remove the whole point. I actually noticed they made a sneaky little change that uh, I was not aware of. Okay. To the tax law, so uh, Bitcoin used to be well, crypto assets used to, up until a point, which I, I don't know when this changed. Uh, if you spent crypto for like, so if you use if you bought something for personal use mm-hmm. with Bitcoin, it was a non-taxable event. Yep. Now it is, and they really? just yeah they just slid that in. So yeah. if you bought Bitcoin and then you yeah. use it. And there was a capital gain on that that's a taxable event now and never was before yeah see that's so twisted because why is that not the case with money regular fiat well because the function of it i mean it i mean it's because it's at a fixed value but it's well, not it's not because they deflate it yeah yeah totally yeah, yeah, yeah. like money well money. imagine that imagine wow you could that's claim very interesting what yeah what why can't we why can't we claim or at least bring the balance forward of the inflation figure of our money as a loss, as a capital loss? Because then the government would never get a tax dollar ever again. Wow. Yeah. Hey, that, 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 yeah. That's one of the only, re- that's the reason why um, in Australia, gambling winnings are I've got it up. tax-free. Well, no, do you know why it's tax-free? Why? Because the gambling companies paid 90% tax. Yeah, okay. Mate, right, maybe that's part of it. But I also think it's because they know that the gambling industry means people generally lose. And if you if you charge tax on gambling winnings, you have to be able to allow people to write off their losses. So this is what I hate. The government intends to introduce a regulatory framework to address consumer harms in Just the Just make crypto- it a bit bigger. It's very difficult to read. Um, crypto ecosystem while supporting innovation. The introduction of regulatory framework for entities providing access to digital assets and holding them for Australians and Australian businesses is an important step to government's approach to crypto reform in Australian context. The proposed regulatory framework would apply to digital asset platforms that present similar risks to entities to operate in the financial uh, system. It proposes to leverage the financial services framework to regulate digital asset platforms to ensure um, consistent oversight and safeguards to consumers. So, uh, okay, so one of the things on that, AML and counter-terrorism financing yeah. is, I think, one of the worst policies. I'm yet to see any data to, to say how many terrorist attacks it stopped, how much any uh, any mo- like money laundering it, it stopped. Those that is the, a bullshit law. Those that, are the perfect that, examples of laws which are like what you said before. They are not actually put in place for the reasons why everyone thinks they are in place. They are put in place to be selectively enforced as excuses by these institutions to punish people they don't agree with. Yeah. Because everyone knows what happened with, say, Westpac uh, in, was it 2014 or 2015? And the, like, tens of thousands of uh, payments made directly to, like, terrorist groups through them. Like, they don't actually give a shit it's just a, a law that gets to sit there so that then when someone they disagree with, well, now we can actually pull this, uh, so, this card on them. I'll tell you I'll tell you what actually... So I've read this document before. I read it like a month ago. So we've got till the 1st of December to submit. So we are running short on time, but we yeah. should do it. Um, what 
say so, okay so here's here's some stuff that they throw out i'm just i'm i'm literally just scrolling through and i know that i'm going to find some bullshit so the approximate total global value of bankruptcy claims at the time of collapse were ftx genesis blockfi voyager digital and celsius babel uh, babel finance and hodl nord so they've just grabbed and, and they've said uh, nine billion, three point four billion, one point three billion, one point three billion. Okay, so they've just said crypto these crypto companies that have gone bankrupt. Yeah, that's the risk. Okay. Have you heard about yeah. the global financial crisis? Who who lost all the money then? Well, a lot didn't because they got propped up by the government. So the government could have stepped in to save these, I guess. But here we go. Recent failures of digital asset platforms have led to considerable consumer losses. For instance, the collapse of FTX alone affected approximately 50,000 Australian consumers. So I love it how they use that as the, like, like because I'll say this, the framework, if Sam Bankman-Fried abide, abided by the, 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 the laws, which I believe he did here in Australia, because it, it, it is regulated, you need a financial services license to operate in Australia, and there was an Australian version of FTX, yep. they still got ripped off because there's nothing that they could have done to stop have stopped that. That's and right. companies do this all the time. But there was something else that actually aggravated me the most, which is there is absolutely nothing within this proposal that says anything about assessing the quality of the protocol of the protocol or the blockchain that has been created, the, the product that's been created, yeah. to see if it adds any value. So essentially, my my gripe and what I'll be writing in my submission is if you cared about users, the best thing you can do and something i would be all for is a framework of what a uh a a, a thing of value is compared to a rug pull yeah yeah totally they don't address rug pulls or pump and dumps at all in this document at all and yet they i'll I'll randomize okay i'll I'll just go i've rolled it where's it gonna finish oh it's going very fast okay um the need for an asset tokenization framework. The process of creating asset-backed token is relatively simple. A person can tokenize an existing asset simply by agreeing or declaring that any holder of the particular token is entitled to some identified asset. However, the systems required for ensuring assets are safely held and instructions to exercise autonomous can be processed in a timely manner are not simple. In addition to the risks equivalent to those generated by uh, existing financial services, the risk of unregulated entities continuing to be the primary method of tokenization are significant. These include counterparty risks, fraud risks, any money laundering, counterterrorism financing, san- uh, uh, sanctions compliance, and reputational risk to markets for Australian products. It, just another example of where they just pull some bullshit thing. So, yeah, because wouldn't it not- be crazy if, if you had like a crypto platform, like let's say, let's just call it VK Bros Coin. And so VK Bros Coin got set up and it's, it's un- an unregulated entity, and we took. Ten million dollars from our clients, and then on the side, what we what we then did is we took ten million dollars, and then we created an extra ninety million dollars just out of thin air, and then we lent it out to people and charged interest on it, therefore profiteering ourselves off uh, tokens, VK Bro tokens that don't actually exist. That'd be crazy, wouldn't it? Mm. It's exactly what our banking system does, though. Yeah. <laughs> but I've sent you the link. If you could post it. Um, yeah cool i will if you could post it it is very important that we do it have a read of it It, it's actually not um i mean it's it's like 50 pages but i think it's very 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 important and it just gives you also an idea of how uh antiquated our system is and i okay i'm balls deep into this because as part of my my tech company it is crypto based it is impossible to do it in Australia. Yeah. They make it impossible to operate in Australia. Yeah. And the jurisdiction that we're talking to is like, we are all about it. We'll do anything we can to support you. And there's a whole bunch. And so it's a lot of these little guys. These little guys are going to be the next superpowers because all the innovation is going to move there. Yeah. Because they're not and what's worse, And I want to say this. What's worse, and I can't give you the, the finer details, but... The whole so my product because of crypto is safer and more secure for the user than any of the compliant like Australian compliant 
versions of this thing using that AML uh, 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 counterterrorism. Yeah. So the system allows more of that stuff in Australia under those rules exactly. than what mine could. Yeah, and agreed. then mine actually protects the user because I'm not going to hold customer data. They, so they want all your customer data. They keep on saying KYC, the know your customer stuff. Yep. What are all the hacks? What do all the hacks do? That's right. They hack your customer data, mm-hmm. right? The framework from government to protect customer data does not protect customer data. No, it puts them more at risk. You're exactly right. Absolutely. So so this is the... When they say, oh, we want to innovate, you don't want to innovate. You, you want your existing rules. You want everyone to comply to your existing rules that don't work. Yeah. Yeah. And make you a target for hackers. That's right. Totally. So, anyway, and that's my rant. And if you think, oh, well, why, why would I bother putting in a submission? Even though I do care about this thing, like, what's it going to do? We just saw from the misinformation bill, 23,000 people Bingo. have pushed this decision back. And, and at the very least, if they do put something through, it might be heavily changed compared to what it was. And 23,000 people in Australia is only 0.088% of the population. Mm, I just mm, did some mm. quick maths just then. So that's all you need to actually participate in democracy to make a <laughs> change. Yeah. And I'll just say it's for religious reasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Um, was there, there was one more thing. There's wasn't one there? more, one more, one more, which is this one. Bring it up, bring it up, bring it up. Ah, uh, yes. Ah, yes. Uh, uh, very interesting stories. This is from the New York Post uh, from the 12th of November. A COVID-19 vaccine reckoning is coming for the Department of Justice over federal mandates. So uh, the reason why I found this story very interesting is when you juxtapose it against the cases going on in the UK at the moment over AstraZeneca, um, the lawsuits happening in Australia over vaccine injuries, like all of this stuff is starting to appear around the world. And the Department of Justice has made some interesting moves. So if you scroll down a little bit so we can read the article. The Justice Department has just posted a new jobs ad. It's looking for eight new attorneys to defend the federal government in vaccine injury cases. Presumably, the hiring spree is in anticipation of a surge of COVID vaccine lawsuits, as people who are forced by government mandates to take the jab and suffered serious side effects as a result try to extract compensation from a system that is stacked against them. This is another example of what you were saying before about your taxpayer dollars going towards actually fighting you in court. In quotes, the office is currently expanding to address workload created by an increase in cases filed under the Vaccine Act, reads the job, uh, the ad posted by the Torts branch of the DOJ on the USA Jobs website. The recruitment drive comes on the heels of a little-noticed lawsuit filed in Louisiana last month by six vaccine-injured plaintiffs against the federal government. The suit aims to overturn the legal immunity that pharmaceutical giants like Pfizer and Moderna enjoy on their COVID shots. Not that any of the lawyers involved expect Big Pharma to pay up, but at least if they win, it should force Congress to reform inadequate vaccine injury compensation schemes that were instituted almost 40 years ago as an alternative to suing drug companies out of existence, but that have not kept up with the times. See, I don't think that's what this is. Um, we, we predicted this very early days. And I think, it, I think this is bigger than this. It, it's going to have nothing to do with the vaccine, but with Big Pharma. Hmm. This case has nothing to do with Pfizer, nothing to do with Moderna. This has everything to do with governments mandating things that are dangerous. Yes. Right? So it's, it's the equivalent of saying, okay, we're now mandating you have to wear thongs into your factory job as opposed to steel cap boots. Mm-hmm. They've made you do it. Which I think opens up, I reckon there's a legal case that even if you're not injured, you were told to do something at a massive risk yep. for no reason and no ability to to, uh, uh, to consultate, yep. right? Uh, I reckon everyone's got a case. Yeah, and like we were saying before, this is the step-by-step process, right? So the first step is that people have been trying to find ways to be able to sue the vaccine manufacturers themselves. Yeah, this, sec- this second step is going to be suing the government. Yep. The third step is going to be suing the businesses that you worked for that made yep. you do it. 
And yep. I can tell you right now, the businesses don't have an endless supply of taxpayer money to hire lawyers to fight you. If enough people bring these cases, a lot of corporations are in big, big trouble. Big trouble. Yeah. And, Absolutely. Yeah, and again, we don't have to read through all of it because it's just a whole bunch of um, rehashing over the same old shit we've been speaking about for almost three years now. Almost mm. three years mm. now. And just, just to finish off, I, I briefly caught a clip that Jared Renick had posted where he was questioning the health minister in the recent, yeah yeah so the recent estimates hearing um and essentially jared rennick's question was this what is the cause for the increase in all-cause mortality which began in may 2021 and has increased every year consistently since then and obviously he made the assertion can i answer it i'll answer what i'll I'll tell you what they said sure we don't know but it definitely wasn't the vaccine because we have a peer-reviewed study Mm. that's now made it uh uh, um made it to a journal that clearly says that it it actually lowered all-cause mortality the vaccines lowered all-cause mortality even though the all-cause mortality went up it definitely went up but it went down in this study. Yeah, we it should... went down in the study because of the vaccine. Alex sounds ridiculous, but that's literally what they were saying. It's a wild clip. I, I'd, I'd encourage anyone, go on, uh, follow Jared Rennick on either Twitter or Instagram because he does post clips from estimates. And seriously, that's what they were saying. So instead of just addressing... Because the question that Rennick was basically saying was, look, there's a temporal correlation with the vaccines, but if not the, if it's not the vaccines, what has caused the uptick in excess deaths? Because it was like, I think our average is about 155,000. And then in, in 2021, it went up to like 160-something thousand. Then it was like 172,000. And then last year, it was like 190,000 people. Like huge uptick, huge numbers. And so, yeah, he said, if it's not the vaccines, what was the cause? And they're like, well, the great news is we've got this peer-reviewed study which says that the vaccines were actually associated with a lower all-cause mortality. And it's like, yeah, but mortality went up. And he goes, I will note for you that 2021 is particularly interesting because there was no COVID in the community. So it can't be COVID killing everyone. So what caused it? And they just kept saying, oh, peer-reviewed study, oh, um, it it was correlated with a a, a decrease in all-cause mortality. And then the only excuse they potentially offered was, which I found hilarious, it was so funny, Oh, look, one of the causes may be potentially um, undiagnosed COVID cases may have contributed. Yeah. Which is even funnier because what they're saying is the reason for the uptick in the excess death is undiagnosed COVID deaths after everyone was vaccinated. So the COVID deaths went up after everyone was vaccinated. Like, this is just like what we're talking about with yeah. the like climate hysteria shit. It doesn't even matter anymore. They, every conflicting statement, they're just like, throw out there whatever the fuck that we can throw out there just to get you to go away. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's crazy. And unfortunately for Rennick, every single time he asks all these questions, and Malcolm Roberts is the same, the chair of these committees hate them, and so they end up siding with the people who are blatantly lying. And it's fascinating. Fascinating and stuff. if you've ever seen the Dave Chappelle skit, what skit was it? The Let Me Think one. Just let me think. Oh, no, no, no. Was that no, Black was Bush? Was that Black Bush? No. Oh, anyway, Jason and I use it all the time. We've been, ever <laughs> since we've seen that, there's this moment where it might have been one of these stand-up shows. Someone asks him like a really like a question that he doesn't want to answer. And he's like, uh, 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 just, 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 just let me think. Yeah. The guy that, uh, it wasn't Murphy, who was the other guy? Um, who's the health minister that they... He flicked it over to, to the other guy, and the other guy's like, "Ah, uh, well, um, it, you know, the it could, per, yeah. and I'm a car dealer, right? <laughs> I can tell when yep. somebody is lying, mm-hmm. and he is lying. Absolutely, they're just fumbling around trying to find some sort of bullshit excuse. Should I find it? Should I find the clip? No, no, I can't. I can't pull it up on Twitter. It won't work. It'll yeah, practice. you are, just. I, I'd suggest you go and watch it. And if any, do the work, you lazy fucks. Yeah, and if no one does, maybe we'll bring it next week because I think yeah. it's it's worth a watch. Like these are the people. Like if you you got like you like you said, you gotta watch how these people actually act when put under any form of pressure at all. 
because it's not it doesn't fill you with confidence and yet these are the same people who are probably coming out now oh yeah like we didn't even address this the fucking queensland chief health officers now telling everyone to mask up again <laughs> we gotta mask up guys we gotta mask up because the eighth wave of covid is coming the eighth wave of covid we're on our sixth booster shot and we've had masks for three years but so, don't forget to mask up again guys because it's interesting Christmas enough time. i've been sick all week yep and i i was like i wonder if it is covid because i had the razor blades in the throat mm-hmm. i didn't have the tightness but and then i've just had like i'm all congested in my face so i did a, i had one covid test yeah left but to be fair i had done it like a um salt nasal spray yeah like yeah. a to flush to flush everything out and it tested negative and in my head i went you know like it actually was symptoms of like the old school like the the first couple of variants of, of covid but i wonder if salt was enough to actually make it just go away salt in your respiratory system because it is a respiratory virus mm-hmm. yeah it's you know? yeah like but it can't be that it can't be the vaccine because this study says it went down yeah, just like the bomb says there's a severe storm outside. Yeah, and just like the famous study called the proximal... What was it called? The proximal origins of SARS-CoV-2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that came out right at the beginning of the pandemic, written by and endorsed by Anthony Fauci himself. Yeah, the <laughs> and science. On, and on that note, guys, thank you very much for joining us. We will see you next week. See you later. Bye-bye.